Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Totus Tour Show. I'm Father Marius, and this is Kathy, and we're delighted to have your company for the show. One of you wrote into us not too long ago and said, wouldn't it be a good idea to speak about the Word of God, about the Holy Scripture, about sacred Scripture? And we thought, what a good idea that would be. So we're going to talk about on this show a little bit about the Word of God, about the Bible. Now, the Word of God is different to any other type of text. You know, you can pick up a magazine, pick up Totus Tuus, and it can be, you know, really enlightening and interesting, but it's not the Word of God. The One of the books in the Bible, the book of Hebrew, letter to the Hebrews, tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. It has the power to judge secret emotions and thoughts. Imagine that. The Word of God breathes. It is alive and it is active because it is God speaking to us. And I remember when I was young, there was a great show here in Ireland and in the UK as well called This Is Your Life. And they would have as a guest uh, someone famous and they would bring them through their life and they would bring people from the past out to meet them and they were hugging each other and it was very, it was a very interesting show. And at the end of the show, the guest was presented with a book of pictures of their life and the presenter, I think his name was Eamon Andrews, used to say, this is your life. I remember there was a story at the time, a child was once asked, if you met the Lord Jesus, what would you say to him? And he said, well, I'd give him a Bible and I'd say, this is your life. And that's kind of profound, really, because the Bible really is all about Christ, leading us to Christ and then his life and then what happened afterwards in the early church. So what that child said, although it was a joke and it's funny, is actually quite profound in a sense too. St. Jerome said to us that ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. And the Bible is, it looks like a book, but it really is a library or a collection of books, 73 books. So 46 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. That's 73, Kathy, isn't it, I think? Um, <laughs> don't look at me. I think it is, yeah. So a collection of 73 different books written by all different types of people who had different experiences coming from different places, different types of literature were used by all these different people. But the one thing that they had in common is they were all the instrument of the Holy Spirit. And God brings it all together and it is God's revelation to us. Now, as Christians, we are not, it is not a religion of the book but rather we have sacred tradition as well. So our tradition with, with a capital T and with small t's are very, very important. So together we have what we call the deposit of the faith. So it's not just about the Bible, it's not just about scripture, and yet we go to scripture for everything because it is God's revelation to us. So for instance, we know that God is, is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because of what is revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures. We could not have come to that conclusion through our own intelligence. We can, through our own intelligence, understand that there is a creator, that God is all-powerful, but not that God is love or that God is of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's an example of what God has revealed to us. And you go from the beginning of the Bible, we start with the book of Genesis and we see creation and how it started and how it even continues to this day. And then the fall of humanity, the great, great fall and how sin entered the world and destructive elements. And not long after Adam and Eve had fallen, it affected their own children. Cain kills his brother Abel. So we see the destruction 
and the influence, bad influence that sin has had on this world and on our own lives as well. And then we see uh, God's plan to rectify things. And of course, he calls the first Jew, Abraham, who has this unlikely son, Isaac, who then has a son called Jacob, who has 12 sons. They become the 12 sons, uh, 12 tribes of Israel. And of course, they end up in Egypt because, you know, one of the sons, uh, Joseph, is sold by the other sons into slavery in Egypt. And he continues to be faithful to God and God raises him up and he becomes the prime minister of Egypt, the second in control of the most powerful nation in the world. An amazing story. There's a great famine. So the other brothers go to Egypt, not knowing Joseph is still alive, and they go looking for food. And there's this great reconciliation. And the Jews, the 12 tribes, stay in Egypt for um, a long time. And a new pharaoh comes along and he doesn't like the look of the Jews because they're, they're starting to get stronger and populate and so forth. So he enslaves them and they're enslaved for 430 years until Moses comes along, God's great liberator, frees them. You know the story, the Red Sea parts, they go into the desert and they're in the desert, wandering through the desert for 40 years. 40 is a number we come across quite a lot in the Bible. Uh, the number uh, signifies purification, um, test, a time of trial, a time of testing, etc. And the Jews eventually enter into the promised land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. Eventually, King David comes along about a thousand years before Christ, the great kingship of David. And the Jews have this glorious reign for about 40 years. And then things begin to, you know, get they start getting into a bit of trouble because of their moving away from God and their sinful lives. And the 12 tribes separate, 10 in the north, 2 in the south. The Assyrians come in and destroy them in the north and take away many of them and they will never return. We speak of the 10 lost tribes of Israel. And then in the south, um, the Babylonians come in and destroy Jerusalem and they take away, they destroy even the temple and they take away the Jews into Babylonia for 70 years of exile, further exile, you know, after their exile in Egypt and then their exile in Assyria and now their exile in Babylonia but they return the temple is rebuilt and this is all preparing us for the coming of the Messiah for the coming of the chosen one the anointed one who God will send to redeem humanity to pay the price for our sins so all that in the Bible and leading up to Jesus and then the story of Jesus those amazing you know accounts of his birth and then of course his three years his public ministry and then we go on to the rest of the New Testament you know, the letters of St. Paul, the Acts of the Apostles, explaining, you know, the, the early missionary church and especially the lives of St. Peter and St. Paul. So it's the most amazing journey, Kathy, isn't it, going through the Bible. I mean, in a few minutes there, I've tried to do, I give it a little bit of justice, but of course, that's impossible. Absolutely. You know, it didn't occur to me, when I was little, we would have had the children's Bibles, and always on um, the living room table was the big Bible. In 1950, the Cardinal in Chicago had printed this beautiful Bible with beautiful works of art in it. And we used to just look at those, you know. We didn't have screens back then, and, you know, they soaked those in. And, um, but it wasn't until I, I was an adult and I came across the works of Archbishop Alban Goodyear. Mm. He did a three-volume on the called The Public Life of Jesus Christ, Volume One, Volume Two, and The Passion and Death. 
And he was a great scripture scholar. And he goes through the Gospels, bringing all four Gospels together in a narrative. But at every point, he's bringing you through where where this was in the Old Testament. Mm. Uh, I was trying to think of an example. Well, Palm Sunday would be an obvious example where every detail of Palm Sunday was already prefigured, you know, in some way was embedded in the Old Testament. And he layers all this in such a way that it gave me an incredible um, just insight to the fact that it's all the story of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at work in the world, the story of redemption. Yeah, it's beautiful. And we come to, you know, through the scripture, we come to a great realization, don't we, of God's love for us, that God is love, but that we can have a personal relationship with him. And I'm reminded of the story um, of uh, a man who came from the Netherlands, um, Luke was his name, and he lived in Ireland and he was studying, he was doing his master's, I think, in um, UCG at the time in, in Galway, and not too long ago. And there was when he was doing his, his thesis, he'd be in an office doing some work on the thesis. And this other guy working there would come to him a lot and they would have conversations about God. He, Luke was agnostic, so you know, he, didn't, he wasn't sure whether God was or, or wasn't. Um, so they would have great conversations and they came to the conclusion and agreed that, okay, there is a God. You know, they had great conversations and said, okay, there is a God um, and he's all powerful and Luke accepted that but the other man said to him he said listen I want you to take away the Bible and I want you to read the Bible for a period of maybe two weeks read a bit every day and the Bible listen, challenge the Bible challenge and listen to what God is saying to you because with scripture we hear the word of God you know it, it's God speaking to us this text That's as right. I said at the beginning of the show is alive and active it speaks to us so Luke took away the Bible and the thing he said that struck him most was that he could have a relationship with God, that God was speaking to him, that this was the, this text was alive and active. And, you know, something that he would be doing would kind of come up in the Bible or a problem that he had, he'd find a solution or whatever. God was speaking to him through the Bible. And I think all of us take that for granted. You know, you go to Mass and you, you listen to the, the scriptures and, you know, you... And so often it catches you. It yeah. catches you or you, you, you put things into perspective or you hear just what you needed to hear. I don't know how many times I've heard that I from know. people. That I was know. just what I needed to hear. Or I got this scripture this morning and I listened to this. So this changed everything for this man, Luke. Everything. That now he could have a personal relationship with God. He learned through the Bible that God is actually speaking to us. That all this has been arranged so that he can reveal certain things to us. And all the, the problems and everything that we have in, in life, you know, we will find solutions through the Bible, etc. So Luke now is a Dominican priest. <laughs> Father Luke. It had many of our um, viewers may know Father Luke. So it's, it's an extraordinary story for me just of the power of the Word of God, Kathy. Yeah, because every word, the Holy Spirit is there working, working, working. Someone once said to me that... Um, when you speak the truth, especially when you say something from the Bible, mm. it's, a, it's alive. It may not have the effect now, but it's working away. It's, it's got life. It's like a seed that's planted. But you know, you talk about 
having a relationship with God. And I suppose for me, one of the very important relationships that you, you learn in the Bible, that you come across in the Bible, is Father. Mm-hmm. That God is Father. Yes, God is love, because that's what a father is. He's love, and it's a very special kind of love, but it's, it's a love that we come from. And, you know, so often people are looking at some of the really serious problems we have now. And, and quite often, psychologists and you know, social commentators will talk about the role that fatherlessness plays in that. Mm. And yet, if you love the Bible, if you read the Bible, if you delve, if you dive in like Luke did, like Father Luke, you're going to find out you have a father. And once you begin to realize you've got a father, it doesn't matter if in real life you didn't have a father or, or one that was there, you have a father. And then that father helps you to understand you've got a, a brother, a redeemer, Jesus, his son. And then Jesus helps you, brings you to his spirit. Unless I go from you, I can't. You know, it's good that I go from you because I will send the Spirit. And he brings the Spirit, and the Spirit is his sanctifier. Spirit comes in and dwells. So these relationships are so important. But the Father to the Son, the Brother to the the sanctifier, the Spirit, the spouse. Yeah, and I think, you know, when I think about the Bible as well, I think I remember reading one time, Kathy, that the words are in, in some form, do not be afraid, come up so, so often. So, so often. 365 times in the New Testament. In the New Testament. So, wow. So, or in the so, Gospels, I guess. Yeah, it's, something, it's a lot of times. Anyway, I've read different different amounts, but someone has obviously gone to the trouble of counting them. <laughs> but there's a lot of them. That's the point. And so God is, is constantly saying to us, you know, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Trust Take me. courage. I'm the God of love. You know, be like Jesus who... You know, even when facing death and on a cross, continue to trust in Heavenly Father. Be like Jesus. Don't be like Adam who didn't trust me and was disobedient. Be like Jesus. And, you know, the, the word of, of Scripture is, is so, so powerful that I remember uh, I was speaking a couple episodes ago about these seminarians, I don't know if you recall, who were in Spain during the Civil War in the 30s, and they were nourished by the Eucharist. One of the seminarians, they didn't realize he was a seminarian and he was playing his second part as the cook and he was sneaking a little bit of the Eucharist to the lads and kept them going. But another part of the story is through memory, they had pens and they turned the chairs they were sitting on upside down and they wrote as many scripture quotes as they could on the bottom of the chairs. And then when they were going through difficulty, they would turn the chairs upside down and read scripture to be consoled, you know, to be reminded that God is there. And you see, it's not just any text. It spoke to them and helped them and gave them perspective. And the Word of God speaks to us in, in so many different ways. One of my favorite passages, uh, Kathy, is from the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 14. And it's something similar. And I remember, actually, when I was for my ordination, we typically will get a card, a little prayer card printed as you know, n- newly ordained priests, and we hand them out. And on mine, I had the front of it I had from Matthew's Gospel, have courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And I had a picture of 
the Lord taking Peter's hand who had sunk into the water. You know, the Lord was walking across and uh, the disciples were terrified because they thought it was a ghost. And how many times is the Lord saying that to us? Do not be afraid. So this passage anyway, you know, and I find with scripture that this week a certain passage may really speak to me or tomorrow something different might. So it's not like I have an all-time favorite scripture passage. Yeah. Some people do, but for me it just kind of depends on where I'm at or what's speaking to me at a particular time. So this is from Exodus 14. Um, and the, just to picture the scene. So they have left Egypt, the Israelites, hundreds of thousands of them. And Pharaoh has kind of said, get out, you know, no more after all these plagues. And all the firstborn sons have died in um, Egypt. And so they're heading away. And the next thing, they're in front of the Red Sea. Where are we going to go now, Moses? How are we going to get through here? And who comes up behind them? Only Pharaoh and all his chariots and horsemen and their great you know, weapons and so forth. So they're kind of in the middle, the sea. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other option is Pharaoh and the guys. So the, and the, the Jews are kind of saying to Moses, you know, did you bring us all this way to, so Just that we could us. die in the yeah. desert and so forth? And... God says something very interesting to Moses, and I think this is just brilliant. He says, why do you cry to me? As in Moses, have you not seen all that I've done, and yet yeah. you doubt me? And yet that's very, very real for us, because we have yeah. seen great things that God has done. But there are times when you just, you know, Pharaoh is on one side, and the sea is on the other side, there's nowhere to go. God says, why do you cry to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the sons of Israel may go on dry ground through the sea. And it's kind of like, oh, I've done it again. God is showing how amazing he is and how wonderful he is. Um, so is there any passage? Well, you know, that... it's funny because the passage that has been speaking to me lately, you know, there's a lot of chaos around, you know, and the world's kind of quite uncertain and, but it's it's in the second kings and elijah is there's a king going to just snuff out elijah he's, he's just really fed up with elijah elijah always seems to know his plans and warn israel so he decides he's going to eliminate elijah so elijah's servant goes out in the morning and suddenly he sees this big army surrounding him and he goes into Elijah and he said, oh, what are we going to do? You know, this terrible army. And Elijah says, you know, he knows. He said, he says, Lord, let him see. Let him open his eyes so he can see. You know, Elijah's not a bit worried. And so the Lord opens the servant's eyes, a young man. And he goes out and he suddenly sees, you know, you've got this fierce army. But then there's this magnificent army of fire, you know, angels, chariots yes. surrounding them. You know, this is what's fighting for Elijah. And he gets to see it. And, you know, it, it's funny because it's that same idea. Don't doubt. We have a father in heaven. Yeah. He's taking care of us. And he loves us. Yes. <laughs> He's not just all powerful. But he loves us and he, he yeah. is our father. So, um, dear friends, if you, if you don't read the, the Bible, you don't read the scripture every day, please do so. 
um, and maybe even before you go to Mass on Sundays or if you're going during the week, you know, take some time to read the Scriptures as well and to digest them. God has something to, to say to you and it's something powerful and it's something that's going to really resonate with you and it's something that you, you need to hear. God speaks to us through His, His Holy Scriptures. So thanks for watching the show. If you enjoyed it, please do hit the like button. It's going to help us to, to reach more people. Um, and also uh, subscribe to Paving the Way Home if you want to see more of the shows in the future. And we just want to thank as well Brian and Lana for their wonderful work in Paving the Way Home and, and helping us to, to bring this show to you as well. So until next time, God bless. Oh